Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Hurts that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in, I forget where. Oh, in downtown Houston. Cardinals a loser 21-16 at Houston. Defense forces three turnovers, a turnover on downs, and a missed field goal, yet they lose anyway. Kyler went 30, 20 of 30 for 214. One touchdown, one pick. Kyler, what happened? I just feel like, <clears throat> feel like offensively myself, you know, I feel like I had enough chances to win the game, uh, let the team down. That's how I feel. Yeah, the offense was pretty pathetic in that game. Now they take on the Rams up next Sunday at 2 o'clock. Sun swept Utah, but won each game by only three points. They won Friday and Sunday. Kevin Durant, incredible. 38 points, 9 boards, 9 assists Friday. 39 points, 8 boards, 10 assists last night. Booker went 24 points and 26 points on the weekend. But he didn't shoot great, but had over 23 assists. Suns take on Portland at home coming up tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. ASU lost 49 to 13. They gave up 42 of those points in the first half. Bo Nix had more touchdown passes than incomplete passes. 24 of 29, 404 yards, six touchdown passes, no picks. Oregon had 21.222 yards in the first quarter and 21.222 yards in the second quarter. Uh Kenny Dillingham, what do you think? It's a simple game. You've got to be able to block them, you've got to be able to defeat blocks, and you've got to be able to tackle them. So at the end of the day, it's very, very simple, and uh, that's they have really, really big, strong people. They take on U of A coming up Saturday at 1.30. Speaking of U of A, they dominated Utah 42 to 18. Fafita went 22 of 30 for 253 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. But even cooler was that senior Jaden Delora got into the game and was able to throw his own touchdown pass on senior day. I wanted Jaden to go out with a touchdown pass uh, this season. I think that uh, he deserves that. The football team is at ASU on Saturday at 1.30. Hoops crushed UT Arlington 101-56 yesterday. They had seven players in double figures. Now a big test. Not that playing at Duke wasn't. U of A goes to Palm Springs on Thursday to take on Michigan State. The Lopes, a loser in Glendale. They lost 75-68 to South Carolina. They couldn't stop B.J. Mack, who had 27 points. That was a little rough. They take on North Dakota State at home Friday, 6 o'clock. Coyotes scored first, got shelled anyway. Lost 5-2 over the weekend on Saturday. That was a little rough of a game in Winnipeg. They're tied with the Ducks and Seattle at 18 points apiece on the season for two of the last four wildcard spots with the Blues uh, only one point behind them. It's a mess trying to get in. Granted, it's only November. Up next, home tonight against L.A. Face off 7 o'clock. Diamondbacks fans kind of wanted Aaron Nola to possibly be a starting pitcher. Nope, not going to happen as Nola signed a seven-year contract with the Phillies. And finally, in only two weeks, he was able to do all this. A teenage grocery bagger at Kroger, which is a grocery store throughout the Midwest. They also own fries. Trey Brown, only 19 years old in Georgia, was on the job for two weeks when he figured out that he could bring home fake items and then 
spring back to the store for trade-ins. He traded in over a million dollars worth of merchandise, put the money on credit cards in only two weeks. He bought guns and cars with his money. There's just one catch. He was doing it for only $20 a piece until he got away with it and then started having counterfeit items of over $300 a piece and they figured it out. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. The simple pleasures in life, and this is kind of the story of my life, the way I've interacted with a lot of people. There's a lot of people in this world that I believe in them more than they believe in themselves. And we just witnessed it with Jeff Weir production running around like a nut job. And you knew he was going to come through with a clutch. At least I did. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, GCU, U of A, Rattlers Rising, Merck, this is kind of a butchered Doug Franz Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Um, really doing today's show under severe duress. So I, I'm actually already excited for 8 o'clock to come when Doug Franz Unplugged is done. The reason, the reason why I say that under severe duress is I thought these were my favorite pair of jeans and I, I'm fat and they're not. And it's extremely uncomfortable. So I, I'm dealing with that going. It's it's tough being fat going into Thanksgiving because, you know, I'm not going to stop Thanksgiving. So we got to hit the bike hard this week to create room to hammer the Thanksgiving. Um, it's just it's crazy. I, I've always heard people talk about when you turn 50, the metabolism changes. And I always thought that's dumb. And I, I swear it just boom. I, I've always joked. I used to be able to lose weight just by driving by some kind of gym or workout place. 
and it was easy. I don't know why. I just, I just always had a high metabolism. And all of a sudden, it's gone. And, and it just keeps piling up. I don't, I don't understand that. Very, very frustrating. Um, the other thing that's highly entertaining today, uh, I don't know if Izzy is laughing about it as much as I am, but watching Jeff Weir production this morning, always entertaining, always entertaining. There was something going on with my microphone today and then something going on with the music of four-minute offense and with all of those things going on at the same time. Jeff Weir Production, who takes his job very seriously, and I'm glad that he does, uh, just running around like nuts. And I was I, I was worried about your well-being, Jeff. I really was. Well, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking it's always one button because when whenever it gets solved, it's always a single button. Oh, yeah. And I don't know why that single button always gets unpressed. It's like it should always be on, you know, and for, for whatever reason, somebody presses that button and it just jacks my world up. A single button can do all that. What no one has figured out here at WTSMTV.com, and I don't want them to know this, but every Sunday night, right around 9 o'clock, I come in studio <laughs> and I just arbitrarily hit buttons. I drive in from Goodyear, I choose a button, and then I leave just so I can see what Monday morning's going to be. You know, sadly, that would not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's my little game. I'm entertained by it. And then it gets me excited to be a part of it. And then I want to make sure that you're awake. I mean, I need you for Doug Franz Unplugged. I need you to have fire in the belly. And so that way, if I get your metabolism going, you won't end up looking like me. So I'm doing it because I care about you, too. It works. Yeah, thank you. Good. I'm glad. I, uh, I'm glad I was able to uh, to get some get some energy in you and get some drive. I am. This is seriously my favorite week of the year. It is totally my favorite week of the year, and the reason why is three day week. So, like, hey, earn, earn your turkey this week. You know, don't start checking out mentally. Let's go, unplugged army. You work hard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Remember, if you're bitter at your employer, let's find a new employer. Let's not get bitter about it. Let's find the new employer. Let's band together. Okay? It's very, very important. But get fired up. All right? Work hard this week and then enjoy your weekend. Hopefully, you have all four days off. I admit Jennifer does not. So she works on Friday and Vienna does not. My oldest uh, works, the 23 year old works on Friday. So, but I am so excited. We have a Franz tradition that we swim on Thanksgiving. So we eat at about one o'clock or so. And then after the food settles, because remember, you can't get into the pool 20 minutes after you eat. I never knew why that was a rule, but that was a rule. So um, we go swimming. Now, I don't know how much I'll be doing this year because I keep this quiet because it is embarrassing. But I, it's still inside me. I am a Washington, whoever we are. I will never say commanders. I, that's just dumb. I don't mind saying Washington football team. But I am a Washington football team fan. And we are going to embarrass ourselves against the Cowboys. But I'm still a fan, so I'll watch. So I'll be in and out of the pool. Like I'll jump in between quarters, swim at halftime, and then get back up and, uh, and watch. So I'm excited about that. And then, since Jennifer and uh, the 23-year-old both work, I set a tee time for Friday, and intern McKenna and I are, are golfing. And uh, I'm, I'm a terrible parent, just so you know. Terrible. I texted. I, set, I saw that there was a tee time available, and I took it so for two of us. Then I asked McKenna after the fact, do you, do you want to golf on Friday? Your sister's working. Mommy's working. You're not going to have any time with them. So do you want to golf with me? And she said, oh, 
I would want to, but I have an econ test on Tuesday, and I figured Friday was my best day to study. So I probably can't, but I'll let you know. And I said, don't worry about it. I'll invite somebody else, knowing that that would kind of stick in her crawl. And she goes, okay, I'll go off. I don't want somebody taking my spot. If I was a good parent, I'd be like, no, no, focus on your econ. And I'm like, hey, great. Yeah. And then you can, you can work on your econ when your mother and your sister are home Friday night. You know, I don't care. I've already got my time with you. <laughs> what age was McKenna when you started taking her to the golf course? Um, you're going to laugh at this probably about four or five. Um, I'm late. You know, nobody's ever asked me that. I'm, I'm so glad you asked me that question. Here, here's what happened. It's a, it's a hilarious story. There was a company. I don't want to say who it was because it was weird, but there's a company where you hit the golf ball in the netting and, and they teach you how to golf. They wanted to trade out an endorsement. And I, I have never said this on air, and I probably shouldn't, but I will. At the old job, I didn't make a ton of money as the talk show host, but we made a lot of money, and I don't mind saying that, as endorsers. Now, <clears throat> luckily, I was raised with a level of integrity that I would not endorse something I didn't believe in, and I would reject certain endorsements. And there were a lot of people at the station that didn't like me. Might have been another reason why I got fired. But I would say no to endorsement opportunities. And they said, well, you're the morning show. You got it. I, no, I don't. I don't have to do that. I don't believe in that company. Or that's an out-of-town company that I, I don't have time to get to know. Or that guy does the guy out-of-town company doesn't want to come into town so I can get to know him. Like, I shouldn't tell these stories. But for an example, I endorsed for a long time Sweet James accident attorney. And they, they were after me for three months, and I kept saying no, because I don't know Sweet James. I don't know. So he flew into town specifically to meet with me. We had a beer. We talked for two hours, and I liked the guy. So I said, okay. And I really grilled him. And tell me legal stories. Tell me about how you help people. Tell me. And I, it mattered to me. Doesn't mean I won't talk about another injury attorney at some point in my life. If I like the guys and I meet them personally one-on-one, -on -one, I would be interested in doing that. But only if I know them. And so things like that. Well, <clears throat> I'm telling you the story because I don't really know why. But the uh, the endorsements were were like that for golf. Well, this company, they agreed they wanted me to trade out the endorsement fee. And I'm like, listen, I I don't golf number one, and I'm not going to trade something out in order to when when you can't trade out a house payment. So they kept wearing on me, wearing on me, and my oldest at the time, Vienna, she was about eight, I think. Her, my, my mom and dad, her grandparents, bought her a plastic golf set when she was like four. And she loved it. So I didn't golf at the time, but she would hit these plastic golf balls all over our Kansas City backyard. So I told this company, I said, hey, you know what, I'll make you a deal. If you trade me a 30-minute lesson and the oldest a 30-minute lesson twice a week, then I'll do it. So we're both learning together. They go, okay. So we do that, and after golfing for a while, just hitting into a mat, the oldest and I finally went out and played one time. 
Jeff Weir production. The first time I played, I shot a 156. Ooh, all right. Like, like, I know how to play. I know how to keep score. I just obviously didn't know what I was doing. I shot a 156, and I was so mad being that terrible. And the oldest, she's basically the second coming. She did not understand how anybody could get that mad. She's not a competitive person. So she associated golf with anger and didn't like golf anymore. I ruined golf for her in three hours. <laughs> she just hated it. Now, then what, was I, what am I going to do? So I brought McKenna with me. And McKenna, it didn't matter that she was four. Her and I are so competitive that, that we started competing right there on the course. And uh, I'll give everybody a word of advice. And yes, I won. Uh, which he was for. So I'll give everybody a piece of advice if you want to teach your kids golf. It, this has worked magically. And I think this should be like a national trend. And I'm being, for once in my life, I'm being totally serious. The way I taught McKenna and Jennifer golf, but still kept it competitive, is wherever my approach landed, so whether it's on the green or whether it's off the green, but close no matter where it is, what I did was that became where McKenna started. So even at four years old, she would drop a ball right there on the green and then we would compete. Okay. And then once she got to the point where she was playing all 18 holes from somewhere near the green, we would just tally up our scores from that point forward. Now, I kept my grand score, you know, 130, 120, whatever it was when I was starting. But then we would keep a, an, abridge, an abridge score of right from the approach forward. Well, as soon as she beat me, the first time she beat me, I said, okay, move back. And then she had to drop 25 yards out. And then she would hit driver from the middle of the fairway, 25 yards out. And then we would compete full score. Now, we did this in the heat, so therefore there wasn't a, people, you know, a group behind us getting mad at us, or we would let people through. But it was hilarious because she would literally not break 100 from 25 yards out. She'd have to hit the ball so many times. And you know, if she ever got sick of it, I would say, hey, just go sit down and, t and skip a hole. But whenever she played 18 holes, if she beat me, she moved back another 25 yards, and she teed off from 50 yards out. And then whenever she beat me, she moved back to 75. Well, of course, as you can guess, she's now teeing off from the ladies' tees for about the last 10 years. <laughs> Is she beating you? Uh, not very often. She beats me. Uh, she actually beat me twice this year, um, uh, but not very often. I win almost every time. Okay. Um, but it's, but it, oh, it's high drama. I mean, and we are trash talkers the whole time. And when we get pit up with strangers, it's highly entertaining. When it's the <laughs> two of us and two people that just can't believe we're doing all the things we do to each other while we're golfing. So I love that way of teaching somebody golf is they stay competitive, but they just learn little by little. And it works perfectly, in my opinion. We did the same thing with Jennifer. And she now goes back to uh, all the way back to the ladies' tees. But she didn't win as much it became more it was dumb jennifer the the tee box is only 20 yards behind you no i get to tee off here all right all right whatever you want well i think i may try that i'm gonna take i'm gonna start taking my daughter you I should think. oh my gosh and she's seven so the, the bonding mckenna and i have had on a golf course i can tell anybody as a dad it also teaches you to get out of the way because my kid is a terrible bunker player terrible and i want to help and then i get mouthy when she doesn't listen and then she got mad and then when she was like seven or eight she would start crying in the bunker and and it was like this 
drama of I want to show respect to my dad and I want my dad to shut the blank up you know (laughs) how do you do do both at the same time so I learned to relax just let her screw it up and then she learned after her fourth straight shot in the bunker she help please daddy (laughs) and I finally okay hey how about we put our weight a little bit more forward how about we slide the club into the sand first you know I used to hate bunker shots until I learned how to hit out of a bunker. Yeah. And and then it's like, oh, you, it's kind of fun, you know? I, you start I'm, aiming for bunkers. I, I never aim for them, but I'm pretty good out of a bunker. But, man, about once a summer, I hit a house. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just crushed the thing. The and fluffy got, sand is the easiest to hit out of. Yeah. The hard, clunked sand that's been wet for days. Yeah. That, that's hard. Yeah. yeah that's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's fun, though. If you, if you haven't golfed, go for it. Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Unplugged at whirlwind.com. Unplugged at whirlwind.com. They are so fantastic out there, and uh, you can get lessons. You do whatever you want. The uh, driving range, they have a huge bunker and putting green over at the driving range to really work on a lot of different shots so it's a it is a great place thank you jeff Weir production if you're uh if you're listening right now apple google spotify amazon tune in you don't see this so i would love to encourage you to join us uh here on wtsmtv.com but uh, jeff Weir production put up the website unplugged at whirlwind.com and that's how you get on with whirlwind plus and normally, I would not recommend that I'm being serious. As much as I love Whirlwind, I would not recommend that as a beginner's course because it's an expensive course. And you don't want to spend that much money when you're just learning, okay? But that's a weird endorsement, isn't it? Don't do it if you're a beginner. But if you are a Whirlwind Plus member, it lowers the cost to the point where it's almost the same as playing a municipal course. So you take one of the best courses in Phoenix, in Maricopa County, and you drop it down to the price that a lot of us can afford. And that is like, whoa. And for and it's only two ninety nine a year, but just by doing that, you save fifteen percent at Civlic, which is the restaurant best wings in the city and cold beer, and you get fifteen percent off the pro shops so if you've got any Christmas shopping to do. But if you're an out of towner and you're only here for like three or four months, you can do it monthly and say, you know what, I'll just pay the monthly rate, and then you get it that way. And it's it pays for itself in the reduction of uh, of cost to get a tea time. Man, there's there's rounds that you could save a hundred dollars on a tea time if you're a Whirlwind Plus member. So you spend two ninety nine, you save a hundred, and then guess what you've done in three or four rounds over the course of a whole year? You paid for it. It was worth it. I believe in it a ton. Uh, hopefully, you didn't mind me going on a little uh, thing there. Uh, last thing before we really get rolling, I don't know if anybody's got ideas here, and I don't know is it considered is two live crew considered rude a little bit if you've got high schoolers in your fantasy football league but i traded away um george kittle so my team's name was the pot calling the kittle black is what i named my team but now i've traded george kittle so i have to come up with another name and i asked the uh organic football show what should i call my new team And I admit, I was at Mass yesterday and didn't get to see the show live yet. So I need to go back and watch it and see what they said. It should be my new team name if they came up with one. But here is the three that I came up with, and I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do. I have Raheem Mostert on my team. And for those of you that know the National Anthem of Britain, I went with God Save Raheem. 
Not bad. <laughs> By the way, I did not cheat on any of these. I, I came up with my own. Um, for those of you that are Johnny Cash fans, I have the kicker Koo from the Atlanta Falcons. So I went with a boy named Koo. <laughs> not bad. And then here's the one that might be a little questionable with, uh, with kids in the, uh, in the group. We have a, the youngest is a senior in high school. I went with, oh, me so Henry. Because I have Derrick Henry. That's good. The Miso Henry? Yeah. I like that one. Okay. Well, do you know the song? Uh, yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, Miso Horny. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how that. I don't know how it really applies, but so if anybody, I think it's funny. If anybody would like a vote, if you'd like to vote on "God Save Raheem," a boy named Koo, or "Oh Me So Henry," then let me know. But you have to say the "Oh," you know, the correctly. How do you oh. spell "Oh"? I don't know. I just went "O H H." I didn't really oh, okay. know what to do. Um, so those are my those are my three options. Or if you have a new option, uh, I have Lamar Jackson. Uh, if you want to put something in there, I was really trying to think of something with Mostert and not Raheem. Mostert is like that's good, like, but there's got to be a Mostert team name. And I also have Brandon Ayuk, and I couldn't think of something with Ayuk um, without cheating. Well, I you, got, you said Lamar Jackson. You yeah. could, sorry, Miss Jackson, or sorry, Mister Jackson. Nah, yeah, nah. Outcast song. Yeah, since you're going songs. Yeah, yeah. I was. I I want songs or movies or hilarious quotes, and uh, I I couldn't. I couldn't think of. Uh, uh, that's not bad though. That's not bad. I I like God Save Raheem. A boy named Koo. <laughs> it's really. I don't know. That one entertains me. All right. Maybe I got a job to do at some point here. Uh, sound credits today. AZCardinals.com gave us JG and Kyler Murray. Sun Devil Source on YouTube gave us Jonathan Gannon. And ArizonaWildcats.com gave us Jed Fish. And uh, no thanks to the Utah Jazz. You didn't give me anything, which would have been uh, very helpful for me to have some sun sound. And I, I reject you openly. And that's why I mock you that uh, we have just swept the weekend from you in Utah and thank goodness we won Friday which was our version of the uh, the in-season tournament game that we won so I, I feel a lot better about that alright let's roll Doug's Big One Doug's Big One uh, this morning number one uh, I, I've actually got two Doug Big One Doug's Big One uh, no, how would that go It's it would be Doug Doug's Big Ones I think would be plural I've got two of them. I can't help it. They're they're tied, okay? Number one, my number one opinion, 1A, is how much I salute Jed Fish, not just because where you're at, but yesterday, Utah scored, laid the game, and tried an onside kick. They clearly haven't given up. I respect Utah for not giving up. And there's no reason U of A should give up. They were not at the point of the game where they could just take a bunch of knees, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But the other thing is, the head coach, Jed Fish, said specifically, I wanted Jaden Delore to be able to throw a touchdown pass on senior day. I wanted that to be his way out. And a lot of people nationally, or at least in Utah, are ripping U of A just all bent out of shape that they threw a touchdown pass late in the game i i have one simple question what game are we playing okay what game are we playing i think when we get to junior high we do everything we can to stop piling on all right once we get above junior high this is real now this is real you don't stop playing the game you take you put subs in 
But you want subs to run, get better. You want subs to run your offense. I totally reject the idea that you should stop doing things. I, as a soccer coach, have been a part of games where we got beat down. I've been a part of games where we just beat the other team down. We won one game nine to nothing. And I'm getting yelled at by the other team's coaching staff and the other team's fans. I still to this day said, hey, screw you guys. I don't care that they're coaching 11-year-olds. Now, what did I do? I took all of my, my two best players, I put them on a bench. I took my defense and had them play offense. I had my offense play defense, and I put in my fourth string goalie. If your players aren't good enough, they don't go to practice enough, or you're not coached well enough, I can't coach both teams. I don't care about your sob story. So if my defenders are able to take your defenders off the dribble and score, guess what that means? That means your kids aren't good or your coaches aren't good or both. Not my problem. Don't care. And in the games I've been blitzkrieged, hey, kids play harder. All right? Or tell your parents to get a better gene pool. I, I don't care. All right? Not, not That's life. Suck it up. So Utah fans, be quiet for your whining for Noah um, or Jaden Delore to have one more touchdown pass on senior day when you guys are trying to win. I say congratulations. I'm glad you're playing as hard as you can and dreaming of a comeback. I respect that. But don't then in turn say U of A, you guys made it too hard. You guys are being mean to our kids. Get over it. That's number one. Number two, first time we have to really get on Drew Petzing or the head coach, Jonathan Gannon, based on situational awareness and not knowing what you're doing. Let me explain. This loss by the Arizona Cardinals, 99% on the players, okay? 99% on the players. Maybe Jonathan Gannon come up with a little bit of a better defensive game plan in the first half. That would have helped instead of being down 21 nothing in one half. Or not 21 nothing, but giving up 21 points in one half. Not good. But at the same time, there were so many examples of player errors in this game. Lack of chemistry between Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown. Normally, I would say give it a break. It's only Kyler's second game. But when it's your college teammate that you're not able to connect with and you throw short on a bomb, that's bad. Number two, Hollywood Brown, what are you doing? Two different plays you had no idea how to drive back to the football and get a penalty. Either on the interception, you kept running instead of stopping, coming back for the ball, and you got to drive through that defender, force him to commit defensive pass interference. And if you can't do that, at least fight for the ball one-on-one and not give up the interception. The quarterback saying, I trust you, let me put this up for you to go get. And instead, you got run over and trucked and gave up an interception. I don't, yeah, Kyler, not a good throw. But I put that interception even more on Hollywood Brown because you got to have some fight. I got to be able to put the ball up and believe you're going to win a one-on-one battle and you didn't. And then on the bad play on fourth down, Kyler's under duress. He just throws it up hoping you go make a play. Instead, you run this weird loop around the ball and allow the DB to cut inside you. You got to run a better route, block him out. It's just like a box out in basketball. Make him go through your back. Now that's another DPI. I mean, this is a contact sport, Hollywood Brown, okay? Either change the name or start getting tough or something. Didn't like that. Dorch learned how to run past the sticks, bad. 
Uh, Kyler, what was that to Trey McBride on fourth down? It was a duck. It was awful. So there's a lot of player mistakes, okay? But there's one mistake that I don't know if they go over or not. But when I see something like this, I blame players. Will you do me a favor, Jeff Weir Production? Uh, Izzy was nice enough to find this for me. Will you just show me a still shot at exactly the 41-second mark of the fourth quarter? Okay. The Arizona Cardinals have the ball. It's third and eight. Thank you very much. This is fantastic. Let me go on a deep dive on this play to tell you either A, the coaching staff is doing a poor job of coaching situational football, or B, the players are doing a bad job listening, okay? A lot of people think they know the rule and they don't. And, I, and I'm, Jeff Weir Production, I'm sorry to stick it to you, but I'm going to ask you this question, and I'm not going to mock you if you get it wrong, okay? Okay. okay. Should a flag be thrown right now? Yes. Okay, you are incorrect. <laughs> now, okay. Well, now let me explain the I, rule. I guess if, if one of the offensive linemen, if it causes them to move. You are exactly would, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you go. There are two ways, two reasons why you throw a flag right here. One, the ball gets snapped. If the ball is snapped while there's a player in what's called the neutral zone, That blue line, you can call it the line of scrimmage, but you also call it the neutral zone. If you've ever wondered what the neutral zone is, imagine the width of a football. So a football is about 11 inches long, I think. I don't remember how long it is specifically. But basically, let's say a foot. It's one foot wide, and it extends from sideline to sideline. So on TV, it's represented by the blue line. But obviously, players don't see superimposed lines. So it's simply you look at the football – And if you are dissected by a line that goes through the football, you're in the neutral zone. So the ball has to be snapped right now in order to get the flag thrown. So which would you rather have? A running clock with 41 seconds, it's going to tick off two more seconds before the ball is snapped, and third and eight. Or would you rather have third and three with the clock stopped? Pretty simple, right? You want to stop the clock, you'd rather have third and three than third and eight. Now, there's one small caveat, okay? Look at the center. Do you see the center's head? See how it's down? The reason why it's down is it's loud. You're on the road. And on a road game, it's hard to get what's called a free play. If you want a free play, that's tremendously advantage for the offense. That means snap the ball while the guy's in the neutral zone, but nobody on offense move until the snap. Now we get to run the play. We try to throw it deep. We be aggressive. We do something that's unsound. And if we throw an interception, who cares? It comes back on the offsides. So that's an advantage. Well, you don't want to risk that a free play on the road. Because on the road, the center doesn't know somebody's in the neutral zone. It's hard to time that out. So here's what you do as a coach. On road games... As soon as somebody's in the neutral zone, there's one other aspect, as Jeff Weir Production just said, okay? A neutral zone infraction that causes the offense to fall start is is an offsides. Now, it's kind of a running joke because players act like they're going to fall start. They're not. They see the guy in there and they move. It didn't really make them fall start. They're just smart enough to penalize the other team. Nobody on offense moved for the Arizona Cardinals. That's bad coaching. Now, it could be bad listening by the players, 
bad execution. Maybe the coaches are screaming in practice all the time. Maybe they're talking about this in, in meetings all the time. Then the players choked. But either way, I blame coaches when it comes to situational football. This, and I'm glad you left this on the screen this long because it really explains as soon as he's in the neutral zone, one of those receivers or the left tackle has to move right then and there. Boom, flag comes out, the whistles would blow because a false start stops the, uh, the clock. It's still, in a sense, a false start, but it becomes ruled neutral zone infraction causing the offensive offense to false start. Now it's third and three, and now the clock stops. If you don't remember what happened on this play, this is the play where Kyler Murray has his pass batted right back into his face, and it becomes fourth and eight. I'm not saying the Cardinals win this game if they get this play right, but this is where we stare down coaching. A lot of mistakes yesterday were players' fault, okay? A lot of the mistakes were because players screwed up, not coaches. But that's something that clearly was not coached or the players so poorly executed it that I still blame the coaches that they poorly executed it. You can't make that mistake in that situation. Can't do it. And when you've got a quarterback as mobile as Kyler and as dangerous and short yardage, third and three opens up an entire playbook. And maybe, maybe it would have been a different situation for the Arizona Cardinals. Things like that. First time I've ever really stared down JG. Now, it was funny. When Cliff Kingsbury was here, it was game two of his career, where I remember thinking, you don't have any idea what you're doing, do you? Like, you really don't know situational football. When to call timeout, when to challenge clock management, how to use the two-minute warning, stuff like that with Cliff. He never figured it out. He's really bad. And then, here's what's hilarious. Can I just go off on another tangent? If you've never done it, it's highly entertaining. Go back through the career of Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech and with the Arizona Cardinals. And look how many times in the first half of the season the guy is three games above 500, four games above 500, everything's going well. And then just a dramatic crash and burn. Lost four of six, lost five of seven, seven of eight. Uh, five in a row to end the season. Things like that, right? I mean, it's it's atrocious coaching. It is clear he's a major problem. Now, I say that for this joke, and I hope you don't mind if I look this up real quick of what the number is, because I think this is hilarious. I'm going to put you on the spot again, Jeff Weir Production. And keep in mind, this is so unfair to Jeff Weir Production, but I, I'm entertained by it. Do you have any idea what Cliff Kingsbury's doing right now? I have no idea, no. He is an assistant coach to Lincoln Riley with USC. Hmm. Here is USC. One, two, three, four, five, six. USC is 6-0. and Undefeated 6-0. and uh, Potentially a uh, college football playoff entrant. Uh, they lost five of their last six. <laughs> <laughs> he just brings the bad juju. He just brings it. And the only game they won... 50 to 49 at uh, at Cal. As bad as Cal is, they were able to beat Cal by a point. It's the only game they won in the second half of the season. Cliff is a disease. Okay, there's listen, Cliff Kingsbury-itis will strike you whenever you don't want it and bring you down. Let's get to the game uh, itself for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, 
Let's go to uh, let's go to Kyler, and I again, I'm happy with how Kyler's handling things. This he's getting better and better as a leader, and that to me will translate into wins. Uh, I've had a couple, uh, you know, I, just you know, miscommunication or a miss a miss throw here and there. Um, like I said, we did we did some good, but. Uh, there's no more victories when it comes to you know what we're doing, so uh, it's just frustrating. Frustrating. That that followed up him saying, "I feel like I let the team down. We played that for you in four minute offense." So then he follows that up with the miscommunications, the p- poor throws, and he's looking at himself. And I I appreciate that. So one of the issues was fourth down. Okay, on fourth down, you had a pass to Greg Dortch which is Dorch's fault, okay? Now, I want to be clear. There's so many people that get confused by this. Let's say it's fourth and eight. They're going to cover the sticks. So everybody's going to be covered at the sticks. It's going to be hard to complete it. Sometimes you're forced to throw in front of the sticks and you want your guy to make a play. And a lot of people get bent out of shape. Why would you throw a pass to a guy that doesn't have the first down? Well, everybody's guarded. That's why. But if it's fourth and eight, fourth and nine, you expect the guy that you're throwing the five-yard pass to 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 beat a guy one-on-one, break a tackle, get the first down. That's different than a curl. When somebody runs a curl, you are right to complain about that. That receiver has to be beyond the sticks. Greg Dortch ran a curl without proper depth, and he only about, had about a foot of space. Kyler wasn't able to get him the ball immediately, so Dortch moved by coming inside the sticks. Well, that's exactly where the defense wants you. Kyler can't look at you, then look at the sticks, see you've got a first down, then come back and look at you and throw it. He's got to trust you're beyond the sticks. Really stupid play by Greg Dorch to come inside the sticks in order to get that pass. You've got to run better depth and you've got to fight for your spot and make sure that you're beyond the sticks when you make that play. That's on Dorch. Another pass from Kyler Murray to uh, uh, the tight end McBride. That was, oh, oh my gosh, was that scary? Terrible. I mean, it was just this weird duck that came out of his hand, almost going straight down. And uh, and I don't know if that was a case where when he's talking about a miscommunication, if he thought McBride was going to do something different and he actually stopped his throwing motion, trying to re-grip the ball. And then that's what made the pass so bad. But McBride was open where he was. Last week, McBride caused an interception from Kyler Murray. This week, I think McBride was right and Kyler was wrong. And there's a bad fourth down. And then the last fourth down of the game, I've already told you about when Hollywood Brown does this weird little loop yes it was a lob and you know it wasn't put on him but Kyler's just got to get rid of that ball before he goes down that's not on Kyler you need Hollywood Brown to fight for the ball and again second situation on on an alley-oop where Hollywood Brown did not attack the ball did not go up get it at its highest point waited for it to come down ball gets batted away second time first time it's an interception not good so Kyler how would you describe the fourth downs Fourth down to uh, Trey. That's is on me. Um, bad feet. Just missed a throw. Um, the one to Dorch. We were short of the sticks. Just you know, by a hair. I think just uh, we just got to be better all around. Just got to be better.
Now, some of you might say, Doug, that's nothing. I don't care that, that I mean, that's not a good, that's a boring sound clip. I, I just care that I'm hearing Kyler Murray continually say, my fault, continually say, I've got to be better. That's not the Kyler Murray of the last three years. And that's how you become a leader. And he's figured that out. That's what matters to me. Now, it does. There is one small point about this game that we should make. Would you trade Kyler Murray for CJ Stroud right now? I think the answer to that question is yes, you would. I don't know if you would or not. I would. Now. Houston's not going along with this. So don't don't say, don't think I'm actually trying to suggest this. Yeah, just trade him. Like Houston's going to be asleep at the wheel and say, okay. But here's why I bring that up. C.J. Stroud along with Will Anderson. But C.J. Stroud, in a sense, you could argue, was, e- was either drafted with the Arizona Cardinals pick or not. Now, when I say you could argue, remember Houston already had the third pick. So now they had second and third pick so they could get Stroud and Anderson at the same time. But I bring that up of what would they have done if you would have called them or if you would have drafted C.J. Stroud and then traded them Kyler Murray in order to get back into the draft to draft Paris Johnson like you did. Would you, could you have done that? Would you have done that? Big salary cap hit, but on a rookie contract, who cares? I am not – I'm saying this in total hindsight. I did not suggest this at the time. I said dump Kyler Murray a long time ago. Okay, that's a different argument. But in this case, I liked C.J. Stroud, but I never said I think we should trade Kyler Murray for C.J. Stroud. But I do suggest it now in hindsight where this is fair to judge Monty Austin for it or to judge Michael Bidwill. Did Monty Austin Fort not think of that? If he didn't think of that, then it's fair to question his ability in evaluating a quarterback with how good C.J. Stroud is. If he did think about it, did the owner of the team say, no, I don't want to take that salary cap hit? Did the owner of the team say, no, Kyler Murray, we've got too much invested in him marketing-wise. I want to stay with Kyler Murray. Who didn't think of that? Was it Monty who didn't think of it or Monty did think of it and Michael said no? Either way, we can judge one of the two. We'll never know which one. And I want to, I'm tiptoeing a little bit here because I know that it's hindsight. I pride myself on sitting here in front of you and saying, you know, at the time of the draft, when I say this and it works out, I'm going to remind you, hey, I got this right. I don't say it to you, and hopefully you know this about me, to be an arrogant jerk. Hey, look, I'm right. I say it because it worries me. <laughs> How am I right all those times that Steve Kime wasn't? Now, some of you will laugh and say, hey, that's not very good competition. But actually, it is. That's an NFL general manager with millions of dollars in abilities and research, millions of dollars worth of personnel around him in order to make the right decision. I have a wife who makes a draft chart for me. That's it. How am I getting draft picks right and Steve Kime isn't? That's terrible. So I tell you I'm right not to get you to love me, to get you mad at how is a talk show host doing better than an NFL general manager. On this one, I'm not. I didn't suggest it. I get no credit. But it's fair to start looking at Monty and say, okay, what happened in that draft evaluation? Was it you or was it Michael?
because C.J. Stroud looks fantastic. Now, Kyler's a little different. If he's going to show leadership and work this hard and take a hit like he did, you know what? Okay. Okay. I, I, I accept with that contract keeping Kyler Murray for 2024, taking advantage of the draft picks that you have, trading down while other people want a quarterback, and building the rest of this team out because there are an ungodly amount of needs on this team. We need a corner. We need pass rushers. We need run stuffers. We still need another middle linebacker. We need, I'll say corners again. We need guards. We probably need either a left tackle or a right tackle because I'm done with DJ Humphreys. Uh, uh, I, I think we need another receiver, but that's a lower priority than everything else. With all of those needs, I'm not really maybe drafting a quarterback. I think I'm filling up needs and trying to give Kyler one more chance at it. Uh, give me some JG, if you would, uh, Jeff Weir Production. You know, I thought, the, you know, it kind of had some explosives there in the first half, spotted them. I think, you know, I think the score was 21-10 there at half and then uh, got back into the game just too much to overcome, but gave ourselves a chance to win. Didn't get it done. Good credit to the Texans. They made a lot of good plays. It's a good football team. And, um, you know, we'll get back to work tomorrow. That sounded like a lot of cliches, but the reason why that one was important to me is he's a defensive head coach. If we look at the game in its totality, the defense held a team to 21 points, held the rookie of the year who's going to get an MVP vote or two, and if you didn't see the game, an incredible stat that CBS put up that I didn't know, the last rookie of the year to ever receive MVP votes as a quarterback was Dan Marino. (laughs) That's a great stat. All of the young quarterbacks that we have seen throughout the years that started from the beginning or whatever, their rookie year, only the last one to get an MVP consideration was Dan Marino. And C.J. Stroud isn't going to win the MVP, but he's going to get votes. So when you hold that team and you get them to turn the ball over three times, you get them to um, also have a turnover on downs and they miss a field goal and they only score 21 points, your offense needs to win the game. But the reason why I like that Jonathan Gannon right there is because he is saying our defense can't allow a 21-point half. So he's not looking at a 21-point game. It already puts you behind the eight ball when you give up a 21-point half, so he's going after his defense. And the stats aren't pretty. I mean, if you didn't see it, um, let's see. Singletary had 22 carries and 112 yards rushing. Tank Dell had eight receptions and 149 yards receiving. So two guys are both over the 100-yard plateau rushing and receiving. That's on your defense. So Jonathan Gannon is wearing it. I just want to see accountability. Accountability is culture. If Monty Austin Ford's good at his job, the players will get better. Culture is based on coaching and leadership in the, in the locker room. That makes me feel better. All right, uh, JG, tell me about that second half. What did you do defensively that worked out so much better? Yeah, we talked about it. We, you know, a little bit of we. Nick called it a little bit different, and then we executed a little bit better. And you know, again, the three takeaways. That's why we got back into the game. You know, I, I know 
Uh, JT had one, Barnes had one, Ham had one, so that's taking points off the board for them. So, um, you know, I don't think they scored in the second half, but gave us a chance to get back in the game and, and, and win the game. But, you know, spotting them the 21 points there in the first half, I didn't think the execution and the calling of it, all of us together, we got to do a better job and not, you know, give up 21 points and a half. Again, I like Jonathan Gannon. Um, I, I Doug's big one today, going after the coaches for that one little tidbit. For some of you, that's anal. Hey, Doug, it's one play in a whole game. Quit worrying about one play. I, I understand some of you think like that. I don't because that allows me to see into the window of what are you doing in these meetings? How are you coaching players on these specific, vitally important game situations? Wasn't executed, okay? But there... I see the accountability. He's talking about how much better the second half went, but goes right back to 21 points in the first half. Lack of execution all around. Calls that were good, players didn't execute. Calls that were bad, we got beat by. I didn't like the whole process. He call calling people out because he wants to win and he's a leader. I like that from, uh, from Jonathan Gannon. So that does it for Cardinals today. Today is the day that every Monday after a game, every NFL coach has to meet with the media unless it's upcoming into their bye weekend. So we'll have a lot of Jonathan Gannon uh, sound for you tomorrow. Coming up next, let's go college football and get prepared for the Territorial Cup. ASU did something extremely strange and horrible in their game against Oregon. It's kind of Stan Musial-esque. If you've ever heard me tell you my Stan Musial stat, wait till you hear about the first half of yesterday's game. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Happy Thanksgiving from all of us at WTSMTV.com. I wanted Jaden to go out with a touchdown pass uh, this season. I think that uh, he deserves that. I know it's a little bit difficult to understand this, but right now is a fantastic time to get a new air conditioner. Your AC unit has worked unbelievably hard in one of the hottest summers on record in the city of Phoenix. Well, right now, Parker & Sons has stocked up on air conditioners for the summer, and now the summer's over. So they're not nearly as expensive to get those units because they need to move them on. So you get that tremendous advantage on price. Now, if you're not sure if you need a new air conditioner, join the Parker family plan. We've been on the Parker family plan since about, oh, I don't know, a year or two after we moved here. And it's been fantastic. I totally believe they helped extend the life of our current unit by keeping it up to date with its warranty, warned us of pending doom, we admit. And eventually we got a new one from Parker and Sons and saved a lot of money because we were on the Parker family plan. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two. Then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Um, 
During commercial breaks, I, I checked Twitter, and I just saw this tweet by uh, a guy named Jordan Elliott. Uh, says he's from NBC Sports. Uh, full disclosure, I have no idea who he is, so this could all be crap. <laughs> Thanks, Elon, for getting rid of the blue check mark. That still bugs me. Anyway, uh, ASU fans, how about this? Brandon Ayuk, 49er, is averaging 19.3 yards a catch. That's more than any player in the NFL as long as they've caught 25 balls. And the reason why they set it at like 25 uh, receptions is because you don't want some guy that has four catches and those four catches are, uh, you know, like each of them are 30 yards a piece. And now it's like, oh, he averages 30 yards a catch. Well, it's only four catches. So as long as you've had 25 receptions, which is a legitimate amount, nobody has more yards per reception than Brandon Ayuk. It makes sense because not only is he good, but you've got to worry so much about what Christian McCaffrey is going to do either in the run game or in the flat that your linebackers are pulled up and Ayuk is able to get behind them. You're not going to like this. You know who the current 49ers remind me of? They really remind me of the Cardinals uh, offense from the Super Bowl year when it was really not good for a while. Now, the 49ers have been good all year, but the offense was really not good for a while, and it started to hit its stride a little bit later. So you had Edger and James the threat rushing the ball. You had Dabo Sweeney. Dabo? (laughs) That wasn't good. That that wasn't good. Um, I just... I blanked on the receiver from uh, South Carolina. Uh, I'm such a draft Nick, I can even tell you where a player is uh, is from. And for some reason, I can't remember Debo Samuel. So it turns into Dabo Sweeney. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. Full disclosure, I, got, I remember the name before Jeff Weir Production told me. So I, I do want that to be on the record. But I don't know why the Dabo Sweetie comes out before Debo Samuel. But anyway, Debo Samuel reminds me of Anquan Bolden, thick, muscular receiver that's going to win every one-on-one battle. And then I'm not going to say IU can fit. I mean, Fitz is, the, to me, the greatest of all time. But he fills that role because before B.A., Fitz was more the deep ball guy getting the alley-oop passes that uh, was really pushed upon Kurt Warner. Quit making sure Larry's open. Throw it when he's not open because he's going to catch it anyway. And Todd Haley pushing the ball down the field as the OC. That 49ers offense reminds me of that Cardinals team a lot in in that sense. I I think that they are really, really good. So little ASU news with Brandon Ayuk, if you care. Um, I told you uh, what we call the tease in the business about Stan Musial. Stan Musial, great player, St. Louis Cardinals, uh, played for so long that he went basically from uh, World War II into modern time almost uh, the funniest story about Stan Musial is they used to have in the outfield wall at Sportsman's Park they had a, a painting company or somebody but they had all these advertisements painted on the wall and then it's kind of dangerous today but they had two little hooks on the bottom of the wall and it said I'm going to make up the name but it was like Smith Brothers player of the game you know whatever it was And then they had these metal hooks and you would actually take a sign, a metal sign that had a player's name painted on it. So then whoever was the player of the game, 
they take this metal sign, they put it on the hook, so you come to the game, and the player of the game from yesterday, you see his sign. Here's what's hilarious. Stan Musial didn't have a sign. One of the greatest players of all time was not given a metal sign to say he's the player of the game. The reason why? They just painted his name permanently on the wall. And then, if Darrett was actually somebody else was player of the game, now they put the medal sign in to cover up Stan Musial's name. He, he was the player of the game so often, why well, have a sign for him? Just put it on the sign. So that's Stan Musial. Well, the craziest stat in all of sports, I mean all of sports, and I've said this before, so sorry if I'm boring you. Stan Musial had 3,630 hits in his lifetime, 3630, all right? You know how many hits he had at home at Sportsman's Park? 1,815. You know how many hits he had on the road? 1,815. Now, come on. It doesn't matter whether you put that guy on the moon, he can hit. 1,815 hits at home, the exact same number on the road. Now, why do I bring that up for ASU? This was strange. Izzy and I were there at the game. We got to witness all of its glory. ASU, home against Oregon. In the first quarter, Oregon scored 21 points and had 222 yards of offense. Want to guess the second quarter? 21 points, 222 yards of offense. This was such a beatdown that Oregon was up with, they had 42 points and 444 yards of offense at halftime. I've heard this every now and then in the NFL. Kurt Warner did it once in a playoff game. I don't remember this happening a lot in college. Bo Nix had more touchdown passes than incomplete passes. A college quarterback threw the ball into the end zone successfully more often than he threw it into the ground. His stats from Saturday. 24 of 29... 404 yards, six touchdowns, no picks. One of his best friends in the world, Troy Franklin, eight receptions, 128 yards, two touchdowns. It was bad. I mean, it was bad. Kenny Dillingham, what do you think about Oregon? Yeah, uh, when you can protect, you know, a four-man rush or five-man rush with five and you have – really good wideouts and really good quarterback and you can't get to the passer that's a problem so you have to max pro pressure and it leaves everybody in one-on-ones and then you got to be able to you know win your one-on-ones at that point so they're just a really good football team to be honest that's a team that can win a national championship uh if that team runs the table they deserve that opportunity because that's one of the best football teams i've played uh in my opinion in my entire career uh i put them up with the georgia team i played last year in week one Wow. When he says the Georgia team he played in week one, what is he talking about? Um, He was the offensive coordinator at Oregon last year. And they played Georgia week one? Yeah, in, uh, in, uh, I think, what's, uh, I'm getting ready to say the Georgia Dome. Uh, Mercedes Benz, they played them in Atlanta in a neutral site game. The Chick fil A kickoff. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. They played them last year. So he's saying that Georgia team was the best team he's ever coached against. And now he says this year's Oregon team is as good. Now he, was specific to make sure you say at the beginning of the year because obviously Georgia got better and better throughout the year last year and they still have a lost. <laughs> so 
I get what he's saying. Here's an example, and, and I think this was okay coaching, even though it didn't work. But I don't want you to think I'm a hypocrite because three years from now, if the same thing happens, I won't think it's good coaching. They have a defensive back that Ford that is about five nine, and I I think he gets beat a lot. He's a redshirt senior, uh, try a hard guy, but I think he gets beat a lot. I don't think he's a true starter on a high-level Division One defense, okay? It, Mr. and Mrs. Ford, if you're listening, I've been told your son's a wonderful human being. This is not a personal attack, okay? He's, he does his job better than I do my job. But he's not good enough if you want to be an elite defense. And they went cover zero on one play. And and I, I like explaining this. I Hopefully you as a fan like it when I explain little things. But when you hear cover and then the number – it basically means, not always, but it basically means how many times are we dividing the field, okay? Are we dividing the field not at all, meaning no safeties to help you out? Imagine baseball in an outfield. Imagine you're so worried about a guy hitting a ground ball through the infield that you put every single outfielder in the infield. So I mean, I'm being totally serious. Imagine you have a catcher behind the plate and eight guys playing defense in the infield, all right? That's cover zero. That means we are going to send so many people from the infield to go hit the quarterback that we're only going to have one guy on one receiver the rest of the way called man across the board. And we're bringing the Huns over the wall. Okay, here we go. And so that's the attack that you're trying to do. Okay. They did that on one play and Ford is one-on-one, gets back to the receiver, and he doesn't do anything. He's late, even though he's there on time. He's late in the sense of not getting his hands up. Touchdown, boom. Three years from now, I would be upset at Coach Ward making a call like that because I want you to know you can't make calls that makes a player like Ford exposed. You've got to be good enough to know your personnel and know my personnel will not be able to handle that matchup against that quarterback. Bad decision. Okay. What about now? Why do I accept it now? I accept it now because what else are you going to do? (laughs) I'm being totally serious. You're hoping. And sometimes when your team's that overmatched, you got to hope. You got to hope it works. So he is actually saying, you know what? I'm going to bring everybody, and hopefully we can get home and hit Bo Nix before he finds that matchup. Let's go for it. And he knows, he's a smart enough coach to know, if Bo Nix finds Ford and is able to put it up, it's going to be a deep shot and it's going to be a touchdown. They almost got home. They almost got there. And it's not like they were going cover zero all night. They mixed it up well. It didn't work. I'm okay with that at this point in the team's development. You might have a totally different opinion. You might be of the opinion, wait, Doug, you know that Ford can't handle it and you call the play to have Ford handle it anyway? Yeah, yeah. But there's still a lot of good coaching that has to go on for Oregon. The receiver has to know, I've got this one-on-one matchup with Ford. I'm better. So – I, maybe you just got unlucky and that receiver was already going to run a post route and go right at the heart of the defense with no safety. Chances are he ran a, he was supposed to run a different route, but both he and Bo Nix are on the same page that, hey, I'm one-on-one, you, and, and I'm supposed to be hot, but look, there's nobody out here. If I read cover zero, I'm going. I'm going. 
And that is advanced conversation, advanced football IQ, very good coaching, very good players. That, that's another level. And you know what? You try to beat them before they at that lap, it didn't work. I, I'm okay with that. Uh, CKD, uh, what, do you, what do you attribute this loss, not just the loss, but what do you attribute this beat down to? It's a simple game. You've got to be able to block them. You've got to be able to defeat blocks, and you've got to be able to tackle them. So at the end of the day, it's very, very simple, and uh, that's they have really, really big, strong people uh, across the board, and they have really fast players that are hard to tackle. So you've got to get bigger, stronger, faster, and like I told our guys in the locker room, that's the offseason. The offseason work, right? You're not just going to show up and beat a team like that. There's a reason they're really good, right? You've got to show up in the offseason every single day with a mindset to work and get better and think about those games where we just get physically dominated. And you have to say, okay, that's why I'm in here right now because I remember that moment where we couldn't do anything. And it's a helpless moment. And, uh, you know, moving forward in this program, we're not going to have those moments. But right now, that's who we are. Does that bother you as an ASU fan? I have no problem with that comment. We lost that game in the offseason. We don't have the culture to beat them. We don't have the physical strength to beat them. We don't have what it takes right now to beat them. Other people hate comments like that. They almost feel like, hey, you're giving up. No, he still put just as much time into beating Oregon. He still tried just as many things as he did against UCLA. It just shows you how much better Oregon is than UCLA. That stuff didn't work. Now, granted, Oregon was prepared for it, but I I have no problem with him being that honest. And then I asked him a question about the tackling because the tackling this year has been pretty good. The tackling Saturday was atrocious. That's not – well, it is coaching and it isn't. The coach's job is to put you in position to make a play. There were defensive players there to make plays, and they got run over. Now, we could argue it's coaching because the players aren't tough enough. I'm not going to go there. Number one, a lot of the guys were either brought in by uh, Ray Anderson and Herm Edwards in their failed attempt to make this a pro organization. Also, you haven't had guys in the program to develop in the weight room enough yet to be a junior and a senior 21, 22-year-old young man versus still kind of a kid at 18. There's still a lot to get through to be able to do something when you're there. So maybe it is coaching in the, in the phrase of form tackling, but I, <laughs> when the other guy's just better than your guy, I'm kind of with him. So I asked him, the tackling, do you say, hey, these guys are hard, or do you, do you think it was a problem in this game? Yeah, there's definitely a tackling problem. We didn't tackle them well. We've been good tacklers all year, to be honest. It's been something that we've done a nice job of. Uh, they're just hard to tackle. I mean, I know you wish there was like a coaching answer. Like, a, there's not. There's a one-on-one human, human, tackle them. Sometimes that dude's really good and he makes you miss. Sometimes you tackle. And uh, really good teams on offenses make that guy miss and go score. And really good teams on defenses tackle that dude every time. And uh, it's just a really good football team. This one, and and I get that. I'm, I'm okay with that. This quote really surprises me. Blast Kenny Dillingham. He deserves it. Uh, Kenny Dillingham didn't get the job done. 
should never have gotten an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Never. However, I really liked what he had to say. He was asked, why did he get the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty? Yeah, I shouldn't have run on the field. Point blank, 100% on me, right? No, nobody else's excuse, 100% on me. That's not going to happen again uh, unless I, I design want it to happen. But I won't let that happen again. Uh, but uh, in terms of why uh, the center took his shoe off and threw it backwards, and I just assumed that you don't want to let an offensive lineman play a snap without his sh- shoe on, I don't think that's safe. So I was screaming, and the, the snap played, and I was running on the field. Like, he doesn't have a shoe on, guys. This isn't safe. Playing interior offensive line without a shoe. So that was really, I mean, just as much. It wasn't really anything but really to protect JPJ, who I coached. And, you know, I see him throw a shoe off, and I'm like, Damn, he's a tough kid. But if he gets his foot stepped on, like, that's not right. So that was really what it was about. I shouldn't have run on the field, though. That's, that's me just being protective. You were there. Why Why would he take his shoe off? I'm sorry to interrupt. I was just curious. That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I think what happened is he might have been stepped on, and then it kind of pulled the shoe while he was blocking. So now it's not on. But Oregon's trying to move the football, so he's trying to hurry up, get the play in, get back on the ball. And I was like, fine, then I don't have time to put my shoe on, the play clock's down, or we're trying to run hurry up, boom, I'm throwing my shoe. Oh, okay. so you just threw it out of the way. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Yeah. Now, here's why this matters a ton to me. And I mean, can I sell you sending your kid to play for Kenny Dillingham? When he talked about that, I don't know if you picked up on it, and if you're an ASU fan, you knew this, but if you're a fan of somebody else, don't care about ASU, you don't care that he said this, hey, the center doesn't have a shoe, I'm out there on the field trying to make sure we don't want to play. He's talking about Oregon's center, not his center. You hear him say JPJ? Oregon's center is Jackson Powers Johnson. Nickname is JPJ. I coached him. He's looking at this play trying to protect a kid he cares about and knows it's easy for a spike to break your foot when a 300-pound man steps on your bare foot. And he's thinking that could affect Oregon's playoff chances. Now, I'm sorry. If you're a member of the Unplugged Army, I, my whole family isn't able to – I would have moved by now. I, that's all I can say. If Doug Franz Unplugged podcast was not as successful as it's become, thanks to Bell's Nashville Kitchen, Rosati's, um, Burrito Express, uh, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical, and you, I would have taken a radio job somewhere by now. Jennifer said she wasn't going to move. She would have come visit me. <laughs> I'd have been, okay, I'd have been a dead duck. I'd have been so miserable. So I cannot stress how important you are to me. However, if you ever find yourself coaching a college football team and you're coaching against me and there's a chance that I'm going to run a play and your kid has his shoe off, I don't care. <laughs> Okay, you want to call a timeout to protect your kid, you go right ahead. I'm running the play. 
I'm trying to win a football game here, all right? I got this my job is to win, not protect your kid. So in case you had any doubt who's a better man, Kenny Dillingham, Doug Franz, you now know. All right? That's that's you now know. That's incredible to me. You took a personal foul. Now granted he didn't do it on purpose, he was being dumb. But he's trying to get the referees to stop the play to protect the other team's player. That, that's a guy that puts kids above all else. And that's exactly the type of person I would want coaching my kid. I, I love that story. All right, the last one, I got to give ASU's media relations department some credit here. But the last five questions in the Kenny Dillingham press conference were boring except for that one. That was a question answered by a cowboy or a question asked by cowboy. Good job, cowboy. I really appreciated that question because I forgot to ask about the unsportsmanlike. Um, but that press conference was like it was bad near the end. And I'm not trying to rip kids, okay? But there's like some 18-year-old journalist in there asking terrible questions. Now, God bless Ed Cooley, the, the head coach of Georgetown that was played by Izzy on Friday. You're getting on the kids. Hey, this is your chance to ask tough questions. Let's go. You know, I loved it. But I'm the, I'm the old Scrooge in the media room like, come on, kids, be quiet. I want to go home. We're done here. You were done. All right, be done. And media relations let the press conference keep going. And then this older dude, like older than me, old, clearly was an Oregon beat reporter. And he knows Kenny, I'm assuming, as the former offensive coordinator of the Ducks. And he says, with this loss, with these injuries, with your AD resigning, with blah, 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 pending sanctions, you know, is this situation much harder than you realized it was going to be? What a fantastic answer. No. I've, I, I was at, I've, I've done this process before. To be honest, it's been easier because our kids have bought in more than I was expecting. Uh, usually, you know, kids don't, you know, follow instantly, especially the guys that were here. But we have a good group of leaders that were here, the Jordan Clarks of the world, the Chris Edmonds, the, the BJs, right? And the Trentons, the, the Joeys, the list could go on. And then we brought in good people. So uh, I actually think it's been easier to try to establish the culture we're trying to establish uh, obviously, Saturdays, that doesn't affect the results on Saturday yet. Uh, but I, I was, I've been through this exact situation before. And I know exactly what it looks like. I know exactly the process to get out of it. And the process is consistency. And you come up here and you say the same thing over and over again. And eventually the fans will get annoyed that we say the same thing over and over again. They're going to get bored of it. And we'll go to the meeting room and I'll say the same thing over and over again. And guess what? We'll slowly get better. And it's not fun, but it is what it is. Huge fan. And I like that answer because hearing him say the players bought in faster, that is, that's such a credit to leadership. Give Trenton Borgay a lot of credit there, okay? He is not a high-level Division I quarterback, but he's a high-level earthling, 
All right. And and for him to, to really control things leadership wise, for Kenny Dillingham to be able to be on top of things, you come in a little bit dreaming of getting drafted. You're not working as hard. He eventually got you to work, got you to play harder, did different things. The way the players bought into the swinging gate offense against UCLA, that's coaching. That shows how much respect he's earned. So I, I love that answer. So that's it for U of A, for ASU. You know they're at home next week, one thirty against U of A. Now let's look at things from a U of A perspective. They beat Utah, the defending champions. U of A has a chance to play in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, you know what, Jeff Weir? Can I? Uh, I'm going to play Jed one. When Jed one's over, will you work on putting up a screenshot of the Pac-12 standings? Okay, it can just be pull up any website and drop it on air, um, and that's fine. But here's here's Jed one number one his 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 long that he always has opening statement when he sits down and addresses the media, and this time after another enormous win. Happy Saturday! Uh, it was a good one. Nice to be in the afternoon. Nice to be able to see everybody before uh, 11.30 or 12 o'clock at night. Uh, Great win for the program. Great win for our team. Great win for our seniors. Great win for Tucson. Appreciated Tucson coming out in full force, selling out the stadium. Uh, Continue to do that. I think uh, might as well put the season tickets on sale for next year on Monday. And let's see if we could, uh, you know, get six sellouts and see if we can uh, have one heck of a uh, home field advantage again. Went 5-1 and one at home this year. Proud of our guys for that. Really did a great job um, taking care of the desert, uh, taking care of our stadium. Uh, I thought our team played extremely well today. Came out of the gates firing. Uh, we're able to score on special teams. We're able to take the ball away twice on defense. I think we punted twice, one with Kyle, one with uh, Noah. Uh, we were able to be – we only ran 57 plays, but we were able to get 440 yards or something out of it. Um, and I thought our defense uh, did a fantastic job of really holding to a touchdown a quarter. So, uh, all in all, just proud of our seniors. Our seniors have um, – the guys that are here have been with us for three years. They've dealt with some adversity in the early part of their career. They dealt with adversity as we were trying to build this program to where we want it to be. And um, now hopefully they're feeling some fruits of their labor. But um, we obviously know the season is far from over. Uh, We've got 11 games down. And uh, obviously we've got an enormous game coming up on Saturday. If you're a U of A fan, you know this. But in case you haven't paid attention, their last couple games – uh, number seven, Washington lost by a touchdown. Number nine at the time, USC, before the Trojan meltdown, lost by two because their two-point conversion failed in triple overtime. And who thinks USC would beat U of A right now? I don't. That's a U of A win if they play now. Then crush 19, Washington State. Beat number 11, Oregon State, by a field goal. Beat at the time, number 20, UCLA, by 17. Barely beat beat Colorado last second field goal and then beat number 16 Utah by a smackdown when are we talking about all of these ranked wins by U of A the greatest coaching turnaround in the history of college football will never be matched never when you look at the scores and the record of Kansas State from their history until the early 90s it's insane it is insane how I don't even understand how Kansas State kept football around. 
Then Bill Snyder comes in, and they're a perennial double-digit win team. Fantastic. Then he retires. The team goes back in the uh, swoon. So then he comes back, and they build it back up again. Okay, so Bill Snyder's number one history of college football. Jed Fish's turnaround here at U of A is 100% top 10. I'm not a good enough college football historian to claim it's a top five turnaround of all time. But this guy's amazing at what he's done at U of A. So number one, if I'm U of A, you better get him signed to a contract extension now. Like, I would do it now, and I would announce it going into ASU week as one more boost to the confidence of the players going in. Now, that's huge. So there's your schedule. There's Jed Fish's future. Now, there's one little caveat here, okay? There's one way ASU can win the game. I don't think they will, but there's one way to win the game. Coming up this weekend is a Friday night matchup of Oregon-Oregon State. Right now, the way the Pac-12 conference works, there's no more divisions. Top two teams, which are UW and Oregon, go to Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game. You got that? Okay, they go. If Oregon beats Oregon State, it's wrapped up. Washington's undefeated, or they lose one game in the Apple Cup, doesn't matter. Nobody can pass UW, so UW goes to Vegas. And if Oregon wins, Oregon would have only one loss on the season. That's the second best record no matter what. They go to Vegas. However... Or here's why I'm saying that. If Oregon wins, now it takes away U of A's chance to go to the conference championship game. That's a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow. You're sitting in your hotel room. You're ready for the Territorial Cup. You have a chance to go to the Las Vegas for the championship game, and boom, you find out you know, 18 hours before your game you're not going because Oregon won. That's going to be maybe they dropped out. Do I think that will actually happen? No, I don't. But it's the only chance I think ASU really has is if Arizona comes in deflated from Oregon's win. However, look what happens if Oregon State wins. Jeff Weir Production, will you put up the Pac-12 standings? If Oregon State wins the game, Look to the left where it says conference. That's the conference record. If you're listening right now, Google, Amazon, Spotify, tune in. Um, I appreciate it. But I'll explain it to you. Washington is 8-0 in the conference, and then they'll either be 9-0 or 8-1 after the Apple Cup they're in. Oregon is sitting at 7-1. If they lose to Oregon State and ASU loses to U of A, your standings become Oregon 7-2, and two, U of A 7-2, and two, Oregon State 6-3. and three. So Oregon State, you're out. You've got an Oregon and U of A tie because Oregon, again, in this hypothetical, they lose Friday night. U of A wins Saturday. They're both tied at 7-2. and two. Here's how the tiebreaker works. Let's look at the head-to-head matchup. Simple head-to-head. Oregon versus U of A, who won? They didn't play. Okay. Since they didn't play, now we look at the next thing. You look at the standings against the team that's above you. Oregon lost to Washington. Arizona lost to Washington. Okay. 
That therefore that's another tie. The next tiebreaker is to go straight down these standings. Oregon State, USC, UCLA, Utah, Cal, blah blah blah. You just keep going down the standings until you find one team that won and the other team lost. You don't have very far to go. The very next team in the scenario of Oregon State beating Oregon, U of A beating ASU would be Oregon State at 6 and 3. They would be the fourth place team. So you look, how did Arizona do? Arizona beat Oregon State by a field goal. How did Oregon do? Well, the only way they're tied is if they lose to Oregon State. So that's the explanation. So U of A can tie Oregon for second place and win the tiebreaker, and then U of A is actually in the championship game of the Pac-12, and UW is trying to go through them to get to the college football playoff. I, I mean, even if you hate U of A, just think of the job Jed Fish has done that we're even talking about this. Do I think it'll happen? Do I think there's a chance? Yes, I do. I definitely believe in Oregon State that much. Do I think it'll happen? I, I, I thought about it all night. I was asked this question on 12 News, and I said, yeah, I think U of A can make it. I, I don't even know if I said they will. I don't, I don't know what I said. But now that I've had a chance to think about it, no, I think Oregon's beating Oregon State. And then once that happens, there can't be a tie and U of A's eliminated. But just the fact that we're even discussing this. So Friday night, U of A fan, go get some beaver gear. Okay? Go beefs. And why doesn't Oregon State ever play South Carolina in anything? That's got to happen once. Um, okay, last one, Jed. <laughs> Jeff, wait till Town Hall Tuesday tomorrow, Jeff, because uh, Town Hall Tuesday, somebody laughs about a story I told last week and says, you laughing in the background is the funniest part of Doug Franz on Blood. I'm not funny. You laughing is what this guy says is the funniest part of the show. Um, give me uh, Jed, too. I, I just like this comment to show you what he thinks, the guy that's coached in the NFL, what he thinks of Michael Wiley. Yeah, well, Mike Wiley is a superstar. We'll be watching him on Sundays. There's no question in my mind about that. Uh, he has incredible hands. Makes uh, So when you get him the ball out in space, he does an unbelievable job. Uh, he's got very deceptively fast speed. Uh, people don't recognize how fast he is. Um, and to get Mike back, and I'm not sure he's 100%, but I would say that he's continuing to, to get there. Uh, Mike Wiley is everything we want our program to be about. Eller School graduate, straight A's uh, in graduate school right now, does everything right on and off the field, captain, leader, tremendous person. So I hope that uh, he has a very long career. I don't know. That's just, that's just cool to hear a coach say, he's everything we want our program to be about. And then went with the grades is, uh, is really awesome. So there's Cardinals. There's college football. Haven't talked any sons yet. We still got Steve McCollum. And I get to do a little dance on Versus Vegas. That's all coming up next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. Thanks for watching. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about... 
25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. talk about the sons uh, on the one hand it's just hey you know there's an old phrase um don't tell me about the storm did you bring the ship in yeah sons win sons win they win friday against at utah they win sunday at utah whenever you sweep a road weekend a road series which is new since covid where every now and then you'll play the same team twice You take it and you say, thank you very much, and you're happy about it. The Spurs did it to the Suns earlier this year. Suns do it to the Jazz. The problem is the Jazz really aren't all that good, and you only won both games by three, 131-128, Yesterday's game not only went into double overtime, but they allowed the Jazz to tie it twice. And at the end of the first overtime, the Suns were up by five with 35 seconds left. With the weapons the Suns have, how are you up by five against a a mediocre team, 35 seconds left in the game, and you end up going to double overtime? That's bad. Secondly, the game ended on what they're calling a controversial call. I totally failed and did not ask Jeff Weir Production to uh, pull the video, and I'm uh, I'm going to assume that either Steve McCollum or Izzy will talk about it. So sorry I let you down a little bit on Doug Franz Unplugged. But we won't at WTSMTV. Somebody will be playing that uh, at some point. And I don't understand why people are calling it a controversial ending. That it's, there's nothing controversial about it. If you didn't see it, Lori Markinen, who had a fantastic game on Sunday and double overtime, takes an inbounds pass, nine-tenths of a second left, tries to hit the turnaround three at the buzzer. And the referee calls a foul. Now, the referee that called the foul, Ashley Moyer-Gleach, I think that's how you say her last name, she had already had one call overturned late in the game and genuinely, generally had a bad game, okay? However, the call she made on the floor when she called a foul on Kevin Durant, live action, I thought it was a good call. I would have called it too. I'm not getting on her for the call at all. But on slow motion replay, because the Suns challenged it, on slow motion replay, you could see as Kevin Durant's hand is up, the basketball hits off the tip of his finger. He barely gets it. When that happens, it's no different. You probably know this rule in football. If you get a hand on the punt, you can annihilate the punter because you've blocked the punt. What's illegal is hitting the punter when you don't get a hand on the ball. Well, in this situation, once his fingers hit the ball, it's technically a loose ball. There's no more hand contact. Unless you grab the player's shooting arm and yank it down so he can't get the ball, that's a foul. But a follow-through after a clean block shot is not a foul. So on review, he gets his hand on the ball, that's a tip, comes down and hits the hand. You see why she called it. 
but you anybody who knows basketball says that should be overturned they get the call right on review games over and now everybody says controversial ending how how are the rules controversial how is following the rule controversial i didn't like the way that was phrased they had it on review they got the call right game's over deal with it and there's nobody nobody that is less knowledgeable about sports than utah fan okay i don't know what it is but every time i've been to any sporting event in utah it's amazing the way they railroad referees and they have no idea what's going on i mean it's insane it's like every referee is out to get them and everybody in utah gets screwed in life and they're all mad at referees all the time it's like the guy got the call right guys just because you don't know the rule don't boo just an opinion but not overwhelmingly great by the Suns, but hey, you won. So let's move on. Coming up from 8 to 10 this morning is Steve McCollum, along with Dale Hellestray. It's the main event. Steve McCollum joins us right now. I will hey. challenge you in your opinion. Either worst or dumbest fans in sports are? Uh, Cowboys fans. Oh, okay, okay. I've only I've never been to a Cowboys game other than sitting in a press box at University of Phoenix Stadium at yeah. the time to and I that's hard for me to judge cuz when you're inside you don't really know what noises people are making. You're the season <laughs> ticket holder, so I would totally it's, trust you on that. Well, it's you know, they it's just uh, the team doesn't win, it's everybody's fault but their own or it's you know, it's Dak Prescott's fault or it's Jerry's fault or it's this and it's like, "All yeah. right, guys, it's it's cuz uh the whole team sucks, you know." <laughs> uh no, I don't I don't know. You could you could put that to a lot of fan bases. Uh, there's look, there's problems with some Arizona fan bases. Oh, there's no too, doubt. So. I'm not saying every fan base like yeah. I learned my lesson with Dodger fans yeah being here in Phoenix I was amazed at the ignorance of Dodger fans Mm -hmm. and then I went to a game I went to a Mets Dodgers game in LA yeah I was blown away by their high IQ absolutely Dodger fans at Dodger Stadium like wow (laughs) they knew exactly what was going on I had no idea that they were brilliant fans and they were I didn't know how to take that yeah it's uh you know it's 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 you know, you got the one or two off takes, especially with Twitter now. You got to watch for that stuff. That's true. But, That's you true. know, it's uh, you know, there's dumb fan bases everywhere. It's the it's the just the amount of games I've been to in Utah and just heard people going crazy at a ref who called the rule right, but because it went against their team, that means I yeah, mean, listen, oh, that happens there's everywhere. always everywhere somebody's going. Yeah. But I mean, an entire stadium no, of people that, going. That ballistic. happens everywhere, Doug. As somebody that's been to a lot of live events, still attends a lot of live events, it's a Last week at the Cardinals game, when Connor falls down, I literally heard people go, what are they doing? Score! And it's like, oh my God, he's letting the clock... Oh, (laughs) jeez. Come on. So it happens everywhere, man. All right. All right. How are you? How's your weekend? You should get out of that press box more often. You know, it's funny. I hate sitting out of the press (laughs) box for a football game, and I hate sitting in the press box for a baseball game can't yeah. stand it baseball game i want to be down in a seat somewhere i don't want to be up in the press box and I, I don't know what it is maybe baseball's so natural to me i can just sit there have beer and know everything that's going on football i gotta sit there and, and really focus uh, you're one of those you gotta focus i gotta focus if i'm yeah. i won't notice things if i'm in the crowd of a football game oh uh, no it's that love being in that crowd i don't know you gotta hear much. it and then oh dude i'm you know when i'm in a game i'm on my phone i'm on twitter i'm doing all this i'm watching some other event on my phone i'm still watching the game you still pick it all up you gotta you know 
Yeah, you have a skill I do not possess, sir. That's just another way. I actually, well, partly because I never get invited, but I also can't stand press boxes because <laughs> it is stifling and, and ridiculous in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. Uh, uh, Did you stay for the whole game with ASU, or did you I, bail I, at I halftime? E- I didn't even go. Oh, wow, wow. No, I, I was like, it's going to be 55 nothing. I love me some Bo Nix. It's going to be 55-0. I have no desire to watch this gimmick offense with Scadaboo at quarterback, Conyers as running back. It is a joke of a system. It is a waste of everybody's time. Stop going to the games, folks. It is a joke of a team right now. Don't go. Simple as that. Now you. Now this is. I don't understand because I love. I, I'm no. gonna say I love you, the you're offense. You're putting Scadaboo as quarterback. You know Conyers as quarterback. And you're wasting everybody's time. I l- wasting everybody's time. But you wouldn't have beat UCLA without being weird. Great, great. You beat the crappy UCLA team. Hey, I think that's fantastic. When you are as crappy as ASU yeah. is. And you know why you beat UCLA, though? <laughs> because they didn't expect you to put Scadaboo as a quarterback. Yes. And Connor, you know I wouldn't have done it again. It? Oregon. Yeah. And look what happened. I wouldn't have done it again. I would have said, okay. Oh, my God. That, that worked watching, once. I was Let's... sitting there watching that on the TV, and I was just like, thank God I didn't go. This is a waste of everybody's time. But you were the guy that was yelling. like You, you were frustrated if anybody said, don't go because of Ray Anderson. Now you're frustrated. No, 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 no. I, I paid my money. No, no. The ASU got my money. Oh, I, I still see where supported you're going. the team. Okay. Well, the other reason okay. I didn't go was uh, I went to uh, Scottsdale Christian Academy, semifinal my final game oh, yeah. uh, on Saturday, same kickoff time. How'd that and, go? Uh, oh, they won. They're going to the finals this oh, Saturday. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Are you uh, are you a yeller? Did you yell at the no, rest? I, I don't. No, I don't yell. <laughs> I don't yell. I don't even boo. Did you yell at the coaching? Uh, yeah, Hellstrain needs to shape up. <laughs> no, dude, his, uh, he's not here today, by the way. His wife, uh, had a beautiful wife, had a 60th birthday party last night, so I'm dragging a little today. And uh, so he's out golfing with some of his uh, buddies and everything. No, wait, wait. His uh, wife has a birthday party, so he goes golfing? Uh, because uh, people flew into town. I don't, oh. don't want to name drop. But people flew into town, and, uh, you know, so he's hanging out with them today and stuff. They're, like, like that. important? That's why you said you can't name drop? Mm, ex, uh, Ex-NFL lineman players. For the Cowboys? All right, give it to me. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, Geesey's in town, man. Come on. Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. I was yeah. just setting, I was just, uh, setting you yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, fantastic human being. I sensed a little jealousy from Hellestray yesterday as uh, he was talking to me a lot. I wasn't talking to him. He was talking to me a lot. Wow. And Hellestray Hell- just came over and was a little concerned. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. I'll wow. bring that up tomorrow to him. I would kind of entertain. Was any of the people in town for the party? Were they also in? Did they go to the game yesterday and like what? Uh, and watch him coach? Uh, uh, no, not sorry. no, no, no. Okay, no, no okay. they don't care about high school football. Hey, I, I, I didn't know if they're there for him or not. <laughs> I, had, I had, I had no idea. That's uh, cool yeah, though. Yeah. No, That's it, cool. yeah. So I did that weekend, and then he's like, you know, so they kick off at two o'clock on Saturday at Mountain Point uh, for the championship. They're playing Pima, who they lost to twenty-three to twenty earlier this year. It was a good game. Uh, and uh, it's a really good team in Pima. Two o'clock kickoff there. ASU U of A's one thirty. Which one do I go to, Doug? Well, here's I don't care, but I have to say this. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I guarantee. I mean, you know that that's your decision. Um, well, uh, here, you. Here's my beef. I can guarantee you, there's never been a high school football game during the Iron Bowl. No way. No way. Uh, yeah, but I. Who's excited for the Iron Bowl this year? It doesn't. Year? Every single person yeah. in the state of Alabama. I, I guarantee you. I'm just saying. I guarantee, you Auburn, I guarantee you, Auburn fans aren't excited for it. 
Oh, they can. I'm raising yeah. my hand because I'm watching it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm watching it too. Yeah, New it's, Mexico State. Uh, yeah, because they're they're so good. It's the Iron Bowl. I mean, it's big time. Stupid. I mean, you you, you forget about uh, I forget his first name. Something Updike, the guy that poisoned the trees at Tumor's Corner, and uh, yes. he had he had a son named Bear and a daughter yeah. named Crimson. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a sickness that rolls through Alabama. Let's be honest about it. I mean, uh, yeah, Georgia. The, the way the way they feel about football is, is. I guarantee, there's never been a high school football game during the Iron Bowl. No way. Okay. No way. So I, I, I was just staring down Arizona. Why would you schedule that? The state of Arizona, high school football should know we're never doing that during the Iron Bowl. Or excuse me, during the Territorial Cup. First of all, uh, it's, they didn't. They didn't know. You didn't even know what time the start game was. It doesn't matter. Sunday. You just say we're not doing it, and it doesn't happen. Well, it's going to be the more entertaining game, Doug. I'm not denying that. <laughs> that's, that's not part of the discussion. That's why you schedule a high school <sighs> game at the same time. It's because it's going to be the more entertaining game. Uh, I'm not touching that one. I've, I, can, I, can easily, I can easily see that. I, hey, I think hey, on, your, on your Cardinals rant today, by the way, I'm not going to say what it is here, but you missed the most obvious thing to be upset about. You were railing on the players and all that. You missed the most obvious thing to do, and I'll have it at the top of the hour on my show. On uh, just how disgusting. I don't, I don't this mind the missed call. I mind the missed review. I don't know how you missed that on review. Well, uh, well, I agree 100 percent on that side. But no, no, I'm not even talking about that. Oh, not, I thought I was. No, guessing. no, no, no. How much did the Cardinals lose by? Think about this. Uh, lost by five. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, what? What? Just watch. Coming up top of the hour, okay. you're going to see what you, you blatantly missed because right, I'm tired of seeing it. I'm intrigued. He's got me intrigued now. I know, I know. We call that a tease in the business, and that was fantastic. That was a fantastic tease. Um, there's there's something going on here at Versus Vegas, and the world should know about it. Uh, over the last month, I am now 50 and 33. That's officially a heater. I'm at 61% on the picks. I went 4 and 2 over the weekend. Like, what's happening here? What, what's, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking to you, whoever's a versus Vegas non-believer. Of course, I am a little bitter about one game. I'll get ripped on Town Hall Tuesday. I saw an email about it, and I deserve it. I totally deserve it. But that one, that one hurts. So here we go. Uh, my performance over the weekend, I took Toronto, the Maple Leafs, minus one and a half against Detroit. And Toronto just stuck it to me because if, if, you, if I pick you to cover, don't embarrass me by winning so you get the credit and not by winning enough so I don't get the credit. So Toronto won 3-2, to two, but not they didn't cover the puck line. So I got punched in the face on that one. I took uh, – I had the weird prediction on a Friday of saying – the Blue Jackets are so overmatched coming up on Sunday. Three games and four nights at Philly. They're going to get destroyed. So I predicted it. And I didn't even know the spread. And I said, even if it comes out at minus two and a half, I'm taking it minus two and a half on the puck line. Still got it right. Philly won 5-2 yesterday. So I'm proud about that one. Friday night, I said, take the Suns to cover against Utah minus five and a half. They, co- uh, they won. They didn't cover. They won by three, so that's a loss. I told you LSU coming off their loss to Dayton. They're not going to come in and lay an egg against North Texas when you only have to cover two and a half points. I got that right. LSU won by four. 
I told you on Friday night U of A would cover the 25 against Belmont. They did. They won 100 to 68. I said the Buffalo Bills are not going to fall on their face again against a terrible Jets team. I couldn't believe the line was only seven points. Bills crush them 32 to six. And so right now with these picks, I'm four and one. What I missed. What? Cliff Kingsbury-itis. I thought for sure USC knew what time the game was against UCLA. That all of these losses were going to mount up and they were going to be fired up to do something. What a joke. If you didn't hear it, Paul Feinbaum, who is a little bit of just a hot take king and doesn't really stand by things he says, but still, called Lincoln Riley a fraud of a coach. <laughs> now, that, I mean, sometimes people get on a roll and they want attention. And I've said some dumb things when I got angry about something. What a fraud of a coach? That's a little strong. We'll see how he rebounds from it. But he told him to pack up and go (laughs) at USC. But it is a joke. They lost by 18 at home to UCLA. So I blew that game. That put me at 4-2. and two. I'm at 10-44, 9-44-7 right now. 100 games above 500, but not above the 53% threshold that you need to be considered good at this. However, I have one golf hit at plus 600 and an Alex Bregman home run at plus 700. So you're ahead on units if you've been following me since the beginning of time. Um basically December of 2021. So today, I got three games that I like, but I admit I totally forgot to look up what the spread is on the Monday night game, so I want to do that. I got a couple back-to-backs in the NBA that I got my eye on. I'm going to take Denver minus the nine at Cleveland. The reason why I like this, both Denver and the Cavs are on... um, Oh, no, not... I think it's Denver at Detroit. I think I screwed that up because... um, Denver just played uh, Cleveland, and then they went to Detroit. Toronto hosted Detroit, and then they went back to Detroit for this game. Am am I right on that? Yeah, so Denver was at Cleveland. So sorry that I said Cleveland. It's Denver at Detroit. They're both on a back-to-back, but Detroit had to come back through customs, and Detroit's terrible, and it's only minus nine. And Denver lost to Cleveland, so I assume Denver's going to be a little fired up. I love this game. I'll take the Nuggets minus nine. New Orleans on the money line over Sacramento. Sacramento's on the back end of a back-to-back. I'll take the Pels. And when I say money line, that's better juice because it's actually plus one for New Orleans. I'm not using the point. We'll win it anyway. And Houston's on the back end of a back-to-back L.A. to San Francisco. Golden State's better, and they've only got to cover seven points. I'm going to take the Warriors minus the seven. Uh, NFL-wise, yeah, I'm not touching that. It's Chiefs minus three at home against the Eagles. I have no idea who's winning that game. I mean, I have no idea. I can't wait to see that game, but there's no way I'm touching a game that I, I just ha- I'm clueless on. Those of you that love gambling, here's my gambling, you know, kind of disclaimer. I when you say, hey, I gotta have something on the game for the action. I actually think that's when you might need some counsel. Okay, that's not funny that you need to have action to feel engaged when you have a game this good. Just enjoy the game. Now, if you think you have an edge and it's like betting on the stock market, you believe in something, you have a system, okay. 
Control your limits. Be smart about it. Please be careful. Don't put your family in jeopardy. But then I totally get it. Totally get that. Good luck to you uh, on that. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind website to become a Whirlwind Plus member that's specific for us is unplugged.whirlwind.com. Investigate whether becoming a Whirlwind Plus member is right for you. I think you will love it, especially over Christmas when you get to save 15% at the Pro Shop. Do any golf shopping at there as a Whirlwind Plus member. I mean, think about it. If you only want to do it for a month, you can pay $34 for the month and then save enough money in Christmas shopping right then and there. It's a no-brainer, saving 15% on on golf equipment, things like that. Rosati's is at Ray and McQueen. You want lunch, cold beer, great pizza, go to Rosati's, but only the location at Ray and McQueen and Chandler. That's the sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. Bell's National Kitchen is the original sponsor, home of the greatest sandwich in the state of Arizona, the National Hot Chicken Sandwich. They're located on Main Street in Old Town, just 50 feet east of, actually 50 yards, I think it is, east of Scottsdale Road. You can go to 100 Mile Brewing Company, which is at Rural Scottsdale Road and the 202 and Burrito Express with seven locations all across the east side and right now before the holidays perfect time to get a tankless water heater call 602 to repair that's 602 the number two then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons I get ripped next on the main event I'll see you tomorrow